on grab your notes. I uh, hope that you'll pick them up. There's such an important scripture uh, for us. Scripture is so profound uh, as we think about uh, this message today is family harmony and togetherness. Family harmony and togetherness. And maybe you're wondering, does that go together, Pastor? Um, yep, when we've been through pandemic, uh, we spent a lot of times, a lot of time together. And so we're talking about uh, families today and thinking about family harmony. Uh, right off the top, look at this verse. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 3 in the Amplified Bible says, Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of the Spirit. I uh, really like that verse. Uh, do you do that? Are you striving earnestly uh, to guard and keep the harmony and the, the spirit of oneness in your home? Are you working at harmony in your home, in your relationships, you know, all the time? You know, would, would you agree that God likes harmony? Yeah, I, I like harmony too. I really love singing, and so I'm a, I'm a harmony singer. Like sometimes I have trouble even staying on the melody because I'm always hearing that harmony. And I love to have harmony. I love to sing with people. Uh, I'm sitting on the front row, and I'm almost always singing a different part every verse. Like I sing with one girl and then the other girl and so sing this other part. I just love harmony. Uh, but, you know, harmony in the family is not automatic, Right? Harmony is a choice that comes with intentionality because there are all kinds of forces working against your family, working against harmony in your family uh, through our society. You know, there are economic forces. There are moral forces. There are cultural and social forces that want to destroy the idea of family and specifically your family. Yet, uh, I'm a lot more interested in the positive side of that today and how do we strive for harmony? Um, you know, I, I was hoping that Today, you would take some notes, not, not just because it might apply to your family, but I know that some of you are praying for families, praying for children that are married or family members uh, in your life. So um, take some notes today because I'm going to encourage you that this might be a way that you can en encourage some family members that aren't here today or maybe not watching online. But those of us that are thinking about it today, God will use this message, I believe, to help us. You know, when the, when the families in Jerusalem in the Old Testament were under attack thousands of years ago, they had a leader named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah said to the people in Nehemiah 4.14, it's not on your outline, but it's just a reminder. Uh, Nehemiah says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord and fight for your brothers, your sons, and daughters, your wives, and your homes. I really love that verse. It's saying the same thing Paul was. Strive for uh, your family. He's saying your family is worth fighting for. So don't give up and say, well, it just can't change. Pastor, it's just been the same all this time. It's not going to change. It can be different. It is not too late for harmony and togetherness in our family. So no matter where you are on, on the continuum of your family, whether you're just getting started, um, 
Maybe you haven't, uh, you don't even have a, a family of your own yet. Maybe you're not married yet, uh, but you are wanting to think about what is family going to be like for me? How do we help develop our family, strengthen our family, whatever our age or whatever our situation? So matter, no matter where you are, it is not too late to work on and to make your family better. Would everybody just say amen? There we go. Thank you. So what I want to share with you is really not just from God's word today, but I've been doing this for 35 years and I've been talking to families and uh, working with families for a long time. And I've discovered that there's really four different, at least four different traits that you can kind of see in families that are, that are doing well or that are moving forward in, in their relationship together. So I'm going to give you these, uh, these four traits that apply to families that are really working together. Now we're going to look at uh, these today. So here's uh, number one. Uh, as, as you think about the traits, the first trait is this, write it down. Trait number one, families have fun together. Families have fun together. They learn how to play. You know, it's, it's a great common denominator of, of families that are, that are working together and have harmony. They know how to play. They know how to have fun. They, nobody cheered when I said that. I thought, you know, that you know, it's not some kind of serious point right, right off the top. You know, it's a missing ingredient for a lot of families, right? Today, our families are, are we, we're busy, we're tired, we're negative, we're worn out, we're serious. You know, we, we got a lot on our plate to deal with. Um, families should be fun. The average family is, can be a lot of work and very little play. And we need harmony in our families. And many times that can be the, a foundation of having fun uh, together. Um, you know, I like to, I like to spend time with uh, families with my family, you know, things that uh, loving to do, to do things. You ask kids what they love to do, uh, spend time with their family, go swimming, go to their favorite places, play soccer, play baseball. I saw a couple guys in their little baseball uniforms today getting ready to go. Um, I, uh, sometimes just being at the house, mom cooking, going to the skate park, playing tennis, bike riding, sometimes baking cookies, playing tag, doing crafts, playing games together, opening presents when it's your birthday or Christmas, playing games, uh, going to church made the list. I like that one. I'm glad to hear that as well. Family dinners. Uh, some of me mentioned going bowling. Uh, so just having fun together. You know, the fact is that family is not boot camp. And parents are not drill sergeants. The family is not a business. Parents are not CEOs. And your family is not a lab experiment. You know, parents are not research analysts experimenting, adding a little of this, this, and adding a little bit of that to get a perfect child. There's no perfect child, but you already knew that, right? There's no perfect parents either. Uh, it's not science that brings families together. It's really an art. Uh, did you know that the Bible has a lot to say about having fun together? Um, I mean, most people know that the Bible teaches like a, you got to work, uh, tells us to work hard, tells us not to be lazy. Work is an important part of our life. But most people don't know that the Bible says a lot about having fun and playing together as an important part of our life. And play is not just for kids, but for adults as well. 
The better we play, the more creative we will be. The more play that we have, the more creative and open we're going to be. I mean, if you don't have any fun in your life, you're not a very creative person. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, right? Or girl, if if that fits. Uh, So the Bible gives us some commands about that. I found it, uh, uh, one place was in Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes, an Old Testament book, right after Psalms and Proverbs. And Ecclesiastes is written by a man named Solomon, who asked God for him to, to be the wisest, to be a wise man. God asked him, what do you want? And he said, I want to be the wisest man who ever lived. And God answered that request. Now, here's, here's some of the things he said. Ecclesiastes 8.15, Solomon says, I commend the enjoyment of life. I love that. I circled that word enjoyment right there. He said, you know, we know that play is important to development. We know that play is important for like preschoolers to play. We know that they have recess at school. You know, they don't have that just to take up a, you know, a few minutes of the day. Recess is not a waste in time because it's a time for us to, to grow together. So I have some symbols for each one of my points today. So I have this board game. This is Yahtzee. Um, now, I don't love Yahtzee because, you know, I'm a gambler or something like that. Um, I love games where no matter what your age is or what your enthusiasm about it, you can still win. You know, Yahtzee is like completely random, right? It's just random. Uh, so I love that. Like Yahtzee is one of my mother's favorite games. Now, she does not like games where you got to know a lot of stuff, like trivia and all that. She don't want to play those games, but she'll play this because she can win at this. She's 80-something years old. She's probably watching right now, Mom, right? Uh, she, she plays games. See, the Apostle Paul is talking about that. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, Put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our, say it, enjoyment. I mean, you realize that everything in the world God created, he created for us to enjoy I mean, God wants life to be enjoyed, not merely endured. I mean, a lot of times we've been just making it. Do you hear people say that sometimes? Well, I'm just getting by. Come on, enjoyment. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon says, I recommend, I commend the enjoyment of life. God says you were created to enjoy these blessings. So if you're too busy to enjoy, you're too busy. God meant for you to play and to have fun. Ecclesiastes 1.8, listen to this. People ought to enjoy every day, I stuck in, not just on the weekend, not just on vacation, ought to enjoy every day of their lives, no matter how long they live. Do you know that was in the Bible? Why is it important to enjoy every day? Because you don't know how many days you got left. None of us know. You don't know if it's a week or a month or decades you don't know uh, what you have left, so you got to enjoy every day. So whatever living you're going to do, you better get with it now, right? I'm going to enjoy my retirement. No way! I'm going to enjoy now. All, uh, 
I mean, if you have children, you need to be enjoying your life with them because kids aren't going to be there at home forever. You know, when my kids were growing up, I determined that the one thing I wanted them to know was not that we were godly, but that we had, we had fun together, that we enjoyed being together. We took them everywhere. Man, we didn't just pass them off. You know, we, everywhere we went, we had singing groups. We had all kinds of things. We just load them up on the bus and take them with us. It's infants all, all the way up, they travel along with us. I want you to write this down. It, it applies to whether you're a parent or not, whether you're ever married or whether you ever get married. Here, here's an important thing. People don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. People don't remember what you say. I mean, that's good advice, right? They don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. That's so important for a boss or an employer or a husband, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a parent, a husband, a wife. I mean, people will not remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. You know, my kids, I'm sure they don't remember those early years, anything I had to say. But they remember things we did and how they felt and the fun that they had. So have fun, Solomon says. He gets really specific about it. Ecclesiastes 9, 9. He says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. How about dads, children, Mother's Day's next week? He says, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a man and you have a wife, the best gift you can give your children is to cherish and to love your wife. I mean, when a father shows love for a mother, I mean, kids feel great stability. I mean, it creates a, a peace in their heart of the children. I mean, I hear couples say, well, we can't go out. We can't really do anything. Uh, I'm telling you, that's a mistake. You got to figure it out. Even, even if you just got a friend couple and you, you babysit for them while they go out and then they babysit for you when you go out. So both couples are, are getting stronger and getting better. We got to model that. We got to model being together, the harmony that God wants to give. And many times it starts with us being able to grow where we're not just working and working and working, but realizing we're, we're going to have fun together. That's what he has called. So love your wife, love your life. Uh, Psalm 127 says children are a gift from God. They are a gift. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes you want to exchange them, but, you know, they can't do that. Um, but they are a gift. They are a gift from God. A gift is given and it's meant to be enjoyed. Are you enjoying your gifts? Are you enjoying your kids? Are you helping them not only to grow up right, but you love them? Ecclesiastes 8, 15, one more time, just a, a little broader. It says, this will blow your mind. Uh, it says, I recommend having fun. <laughs> I recommend having fun. That way you will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives you. I mean, I, I, talk, to, I talk to guys all the time. You know, they'll say things like, well, man, I just don't know what's going on in our family. You know, we're successful and everything's going fine. And I buy stuff for my kids and for my wife. And they, they just feel, it just feels like it's not enough. What, what do they really want from me? I'll tell you what they want. They want you. They want, you know how love is spelled? Love is T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E. So the greatest gift that we can give in our families to create harmony and togetherness is to recognize that we are going to have 
fun, not just get things. They need time. They need us. They need fun with the family. They need fun at home. They need it not to be like boot camp, but they need to know that they have time with you. So games, right? You good? Okay. Number two, second symbol is going to be this watering can. Now a watering can, you can use this to, uh, water flowers and plants and vegetables and whatever else you need to water. Um, in a family, you know, a family is sort of like a garden. You have to grow. You have to develop it. You have to cultivate it. A garden does not grow on its own, right? Right, Dave? You have to weed it. You have to water it. You have to care for it. So the second trait that we're talking about of intentional families that make a difference with harmony and togetherness. Trait number two, you ready? Encourage growth for every person in the family. Encourage growth for every person in the family. So family creates an atmosphere of lifelong learning and we're helping them to grow. We're helping them uh, to develop, uh, encouraging each person. So one of the things you do to create harmony in the family is that you support each other. Now, I'm not just talking about kids growing up. Um, you know, we're always talking about that. But your family never stops growing. Mom never stops growing. Dad grows. Everybody encourages mom. Everybody encourages dad. Everybody encourages brother or sister. Everybody encourages everybody else to keep growing. So if you're not growing, you know what your family is? Boring boring. You just get in a rut. I mean, if you haven't learned anything new, if you haven't developed any kind of new interest, if you haven't worked hard at growing, growing family just gets boring. Look, Luke 2.52 in the Bible talks about Jesus and how, how he changed. He was 12 years old and it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. Now, Notice there are four kinds of growth that you want to have in the family. You grow in wisdom. That's like intellectual growth, mental growth. You grow in stature. That's physical health. You grow in favor with God. That's spiritual growth. And you grow in favor with man. That's social growth. So every person in your family needs to be growing in all four areas of, 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 that, of your life. Not just the kids, but mom and dad and brother and sister. You need to be growing physically, mentally, spiritually, socially. You're gonna, are you, you going to be any different a few months from now, a year from now? Are you closer to God? Are you growing a, as a person? Are you more loving? Are you helping the people in your life grow? Are you literally growing in your family? Encourage growth. Kind of people that don't pay attention to all that just stay the same. Nobody changes. Nobody grows. Uh, what, do we, what do we learn in our families? So if we're talking about learning, uh, growing. You know, there's some things that you learn at home that you cannot learn anywhere else. I mean, you can learn it, but most of the time, if you don't learn it at home, you have problems uh, dealing with it out in the world. So let me give you this list. You know, let me tell you this. A lot of times, the problems that we deal with as teenagers and adults, a lot of times happens to us because we didn't learn it right at home. Come on. I'll give you a little list. Five things. Uh, number, number one is, uh, what, what do we learn uh, as a family? Uh, the first one is, what do I do with feelings? What do I do with feelings? 
I mean, this is such an important skill, right? Aren't you still trying to learn this? How <laughs> I deal with my feelings, my emotions, what do I do with them? How do I deal with how I feel, what do I do with my feelings? If you're in a growing family, you learn how to recognize your feelings, how to name those feelings, how to identify those feelings. You express your feelings uh, correctly rather than incorrectly. You figure out how to express yourself rather than just stuffing everything down and to deal with how you feel. I mean, if you don't learn how to deal with how you feel, you're going to be an emotional mess, right? You, you have to, if you don't learn it there, you have to relearn it somewhere else. I mean, I think that's why marriages get so messed up is that many times we didn't learn at home what we needed to learn about how to grow and to deal with relationships. I mean, you need to have people in your life that love you and care for you and will be honest with you and let you express your emotions, here, here's one of the saddest things. One of the saddest things a parent can say is, stop crying. Like, what's wrong with you? Quit crying. We don't cry. You know what? There is nothing wrong with crying. Tears are a gift from God. I mean, if you're telling your, your kids, shut it down, stuff it down, those emotions, they're going to have problems with their emotions once they leave you. There's nothing wrong with crying or being dealing with the hurt feelings that we have. Telling our kids just to stop expressing themselves, we deny, we tell them to deny how they feel, and they just stuff it down. And it comes out strange in other relationships and other problems later on. In, in a family that is creating harmony and growth, uh, we learn to recognize that um, there's good emotions there's harmful emotions, but we can name them. We can speak to them. That's the key. You know, sometimes you just got to sit down and have a little conversation about how things are going, how things are feeling. Uh, first thing, what, how, how do I deal with my feelings? I learned that at home. Secondly, second skill you have to learn in the family is how to handle conflict. Like if you don't learn how to handle conflict in your family, you're going to have problems in your marriage. I'm not getting very many amens, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to keep going. Um, if nobody teaches you these skills of how to resolve and clarify conflict, if kids don't see parents working out their problems in front of them and showing them how to deal with differences and struggles and problems and hurts and how to deal with things when you get mad. Yeah, I know you get mad. Yep, you do. But what do we, how do we help our kids deal with their anger, their frustration? What happens is that most people in conflict either become mute and martyrs or they become maniacs, right? Everybody, if you don't learn how to deal with conflict, I've told you this before, you either become a skunk or a turtle. Skunk or a turtle. You, you, you know the difference there, right? Skunks, when they're upset, they let everybody know it. They just stink up the place, and they spray everybody, and everybody knows they're ticked off. A turtle pulls their head in the shell and isolates and pulls back out of fear of the conflict. <laughs> you know what's really funny is that most of the time skunks marry turtles. <laughs> Don't look around, <laughs> but you know it. I mean, one can be a skunk, and the other can be a turtle. And it happens in our marriage. One of them's an aggressor and one of them pulls back. And neither one of those is a godly way to be married. 
right? There's no moral ground in that. They both are ineffective ways to deal with conflict. So feelings, conflict. The third thing, the really thing that we need to learn is that we learn how to handle loss. L-O-S at loss. Because you're going to have some losses in your life. Sometimes we're going to have big losses. And then you're going to have smaller losses. And it's so important that we teach kids, we teach our family, we help our family deal with losses when they're smaller things. Do you know that nobody usually dies from failure? You know, I, I know you thought you, you were going to die over that baseball game, but you didn't, you didn't die. And nobody gets like an unbroken string of wins. You know, sometimes we, we like, we don't want our kids to, to, to lose, like it's going to be detrimental to them. But we know that out in the real world, they are going to face inevitable losses. They will not be number one all the time. And it can be devastating if they haven't learned how to deal with failure and losses. You just don't win everything, everything all the time. And if you're going to lose, I'd much rather them lose at home where we could cry and work through it together. Sure, it's hard sometimes. Disappointing, certainly it is. But it's my job as a parent to help them learn how to deal with losses because losses turn into grief. We start losing big things. You know, we've, uh, we've lost dogs. You know, we've lost dogs. I love Lily. Oh, man, I love Lily. She, she was... Um, loved, um, we had Rocky, uh, while we were here. Um, you know what we did? We got a box and we went out somewhere and we put them in the box and we dug a hole. We actually had somebody from here dig one, one of the holes for us out at this place, a big farm. And we love those dogs, but you know what? We now went to have service. We, not, we all said a little something about how, how much we love the dog. And, uh, you know, we had a prayer and put the dog in the and, you know what I was doing? Dealing with loss and grief. Because they're going to lose something greater than that. So they needed to learn how to, how to deal with something. And, you know, we didn't say, oh, come on, get over it. It's just a dog. You don't say that, do you? No, we love it. We love those animals. We love the, those pets. But they, it becomes an opportunity for us to teach to deal with loss. We don't dismiss it. We deal with those losses of important things uh, in our life. So it's, it's so important that we help our kids uh, deal with the losses uh, in our life. I mean, one of the verses I learned a long time ago, it's, uh, everybody ought to memorize this verse, Proverbs 24, 16. Uh, this is a verse you can teach. Uh, it says, for the lovers of God may suffer adversity and stumble seven times, but they will continue to rise over and over again. Man, I love that verse. I love that because even as good people, we hurt, we, we feel loss. We can be well-intentioned, but we mess up or we flub or we have failure. We do the wrong thing. We fall, we stumble, but we know that God will help us get up again and again. It says good people get back up again, even if they fall seven times. And he just uses seven kind of to describe however many it is. I mean, there's a difference between a success and a failure. And this verse is talking about having resilience, be teaching resilience. 
parents, uh, to our kids. They're not going to be successful all the time, but do they have the ability to get back up again when they fall off their bike, when they're struggling with something in their life, when they don't get picked? So are we just going to give up? I mean, they go to practice one time. They don't like practicing the piano, so they just quit and they give up. Uh, they don't want to play soccer. Uh, they don't want to run. They don't want to whatever. And so sometimes they mess up. They get, you know, people talk about us being in a cancel culture. Well, we're in a give up culture also, not being resilient. So we help our kids, teaching them resilience to get back up, to get back up again uh, so that they can be leaders, they can be uh, really quality human beings in the world uh, as adults. It's just they don't give up. They're resilient. The fourth thing we learn uh, in our families is we learn what values matter and what values matter most. Uh, you... You and I, we have to help our kids to know what's important and what's not. Um, you know, would you agree that it's so important that we teach values, right? Well, my symbol here is this raincoat. Um, all around the world, uh, we recognize that teaching values is, is so important. The world teaches values, right? The world teaches values like um, it matters how you look, Image is everything. Doesn't matter what your character is. It's how you look. The world teaches that the more money you have, the more important you are, the more successful you are, the more fulfilled you'll be, the more stuff that you can attain. It's just not true, right? The world teaches that everything's about sex and relationships like that. The world teaches, I mean, you've been watching commercials? You watch any commercials? I mean, that's what they're all about. It's about money and how you look and sex. And uh, that, it's just not true. You know, our kids learn a lot of values from movies and video games and songs from their friends, from all around the culture, all these things. You know, but we recognize that we need to protect them. So we, we have like a, a raincoat, you know, a raincoat that says, I'm, I protect my family. We teach values. We think about values. Um, can I have a little squirrel moment? Um, at Southside, you know, you, you can't have camps this year because we still can't do overnights and all that. But at Southside, we have a Leadership Academy camp. It's like a day camp that goes on for 10 weeks where we are picking 30 kids from that area. Most, a lot of them single moms, uh, a camp that is dedicated to helping kids know what it means to be a leader and teaching values every week. That's the curriculum. Let's teach them values. And in the midst of that, we're, we're gonna teach them service. Aren't you excited about that? I mean, that's 30 kids that we're gonna impact their lives for 10 weeks. We got a great staff, it's gonna be fun. They're gonna do service projects. We're gonna feed them well uh, and show them a path that doesn't end up in jail or a path that gives them a chance in their life. So I was talking to them yesterday, and we're talking about a bunch of big things with Southside, and this was kind of one little thing right there, but it's not, not, it's not a little thing. So, um, you know, about 40 people, we, we could, could we sponsor those kids? You think we could do that? Like, uh, I, I'm talking to you online as well. Uh, Kim and I, are sponsoring one of them. We got a little plan of how that's going to work out, but it's, it's, it's about $300 to feed them, all 30 of them for the week and take care of them. It's about $300 to, to sponsor a kid. 
So if 40 of us did that, that would be all 30 kids plus all the food that would go there. So would, would you like to do that? Now, you don't have to give the money today. I'm not asking you to stand up. You know, we got a, we got a month maybe. Let's say by the end of the month. So uh, if you are sitting there online and you want to make a difference in the life of a kid related to, their, to teaching them values and helping them at Southside, or you're sitting in this sanctuary today, here's what I want you to do. Uh, you can text me. All right? I think it's up there, right? There it is. It's my text. That's right to my phone. Uh, text me, 309-267-3324, and tell me that you want to sponsor a kid for the Leadership Academy. You think we could do that? I think we could. So you're not all excited, but I'm, I'm excited about it. It's my little squirrel moment. Southside Leadership Academy. If you want to sponsor one of them, just text me. Text me today. Like, you don't have to pay the money today, but I'll, I'll send you something that kind of explains how we're going to do that. But if we had 40 people do $300, that's $12,000, and that's all those kids being able to go to that camp in this neighborhood where they need it more than anything else. You know, we, we want to change that neighborhood. And we're going to do it as we impact those kids. So we're teaching kids what they uh, what really matters, and every one of them needs it. They need the they need not only to learn values, but they need protection. That's number three. That we protect uh, our, our our kids. Uh, we protect them. Uh, you know what? I missed something. I need to fill in the blank because you'll get on me for sure. Um, <laughs> undervalues was the word habits good habits uh that's one there you know one kid told me one time i asked him was he learning at home he said i learned at home that good manners make the man i said your dad teach you that he said yes he did good manners make uh the man so i love that so so teaching habits to our kids. That's another thing that we can learn together uh, in our homes. If they don't learn it there, man, you can tell, can't you? You meet a kid sometime and you know they grew up in that family where they had good manners. They knew how to talk to people. They knew how to uh, pay attention uh, to things like that. So it's so important that we recognize the good habits. Now, how, do, how does all that come about? Uh, a couple things there. It, one is through example being an example to them. So we got to reveal what kind of, what we're talking about. We, an example from mom and dad, from others around us and through conversations, through conversations, through, through an example, we're helping them to realize all these different values and habits and through conversations that we have with them. Um, Skipping a little bit down to Deuteronomy 6, 7 says you must teach God's commandments to your children and walk about them when you are at home or out for a walk or at bedtime and the first thing in the morning. So he's giving you an example here of ways that you can have conversations when you're having breakfast and when you're riding in the car and when you're walking, uh, being able to have conversations uh, with them. Now, ways that not to do it, uh, not through criticism, not through criticizing, criticizing. Um, you know, did you learn a lot as a kid when you got criticized? Just nod your head, nope. 
Now, you, you recognize that harmony comes not through criticizing and criticism. It has never, ever worked. So nagging doesn't work. Uh, the verse there, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. Man, I love that verse. See, he's not talking about not disciplining, but he's talking about how do you do it? How does it accomplish it? One other verse, don't let any harmful words come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Um, number, trait number three, protect each other. It's like the raincoat. Protect each other. Uh, make sure that they know that they are being protected, that every person in your family can be protected. Then they be proud for he himself, for what he himself has done. We're recognizing that they're not, um, that they're being protected from emotional storms and difficulties uh, that, they, that they face. So the raincoat is a perfect example of the protection that our kids need when storms come, when change happens, when difficulties are coming. All right, I'm going to go to the last. The last little symbol here is this globe. Um, got this globe because uh, trait number four is a family who, who loves and serves God and others. You know, we, we learn at church and we learn at home to care about other people, to not just be so self-centered and self-focused uh, on ourselves. Families encourage growth. Families protect each other. Families um, represent great intention to think about others because families together with harmony. We care about other people. Amen. We don't want our kids just to be selfish brats. We want them to care about other people, to care about the whole world. I mean, anybody can care about themselves. I mean, I've heard people say, yep, it's such four and no more. I'm pouring all my energy into, into my family. No, we, we, want to, we want to support our families, all those things we've already talked about, but we want to care about other people. We want our kids to go out and care about others because we don't want our family just to focus on ourselves. We focus on others around us. I mean, the average family could be pretty self-centered. You know, around here, we do service. We, you know, back before the pandemic, we'd have think big, we'd have mission trips, we'd have things to try to help your family, your children to be able to get involved so that they were able to care about others. It's a, all these are secrets for us. Serving God, serving others, loving God, loving others, recognizing that God wants us to be families of harmony and to be healthy. What are you doing to help the harmony at your house? What are you doing to help togetherness at your house? Wouldn't it be amazing if everybody that you live with was committed to harmony and togetherness? Some of you are like, not sure, Pastor. Sure. No. All of us together. So what if our kids decided that's what we were going to do? Uh, what, if our, what if our families? You know, uh, I, I love the verse. I'm going to look one more verse before we close here. First um, Corinthians 16, 15 on your outline. It's like the next to last verse there. It says, Paul is talking. He's at the end here. And he said, would you do me a favor? Give special recognition to the family of Stephanus. 
I don't think he's in our church today, but he, you know, you know, he, he was in a church somewhere. He says, you know, they were among the first converts in Greece and they put themselves out serving Christians ever since then. I want you to honor and look up to people like that. Companions and workers who show us how to do it, giving us something to aspire to. What are we doing in our families? We're creating legacy. And we're building into our children, into our spouses, into our, uh, everyone in our family. You know, wouldn't it be nice if a thousand years from now that somebody said about you, man, that family, they were so committed to Christ and to others. What a reputation to have. But they were intentional. They did it by choice. They weren't just that kind of family by accident. You become a family by making choices, making decisions, and even making sacrifices. My challenge today is that no matter what stage in your family's life, I'm going to make the rest better. I'm going to make my family these the best days. I'm, we're going to become a family for whatever remaining days we have together. We're going to become a family, start a new legacy. We're going to make a choice to commit our family to God and to Jesus. And we're going to do what Joshua said in Joshua 24. Choose today whom you will serve. You're going to serve yourself. You're going to serve the culture. You're going to choose your own values. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. So we're going to pray together. What I want you to do is you've got a little homework assignment. I'd like you to go home and have a conversation about your family harmony and togetherness. That takes a lot of courage. Somebody's going, because some, some kid's going to say, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Well, talk about it anyway. Find ways to talk about your family and where you are and where you're going and make a decision to be able to talk together about family harmony, even if it's just the two of you. And I told you earlier, maybe you're praying about a family. Maybe you ought to tell them, you know, that's gonna, that'll be on video on our website. Go back there and watch that thing. Liz, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you just picked it up and watched the whole thing. Thank you uh, very much for doing that. Let's make a difference in our families. I'd love to pray for you and for you. Bow with me. Jesus, thank you. Thanks so much for helping us to think about this topic today. Lord, our church, the church around the world, we care about marriages. We care about relationships. We care about children of all ages, whether they're babies like we saw today or adults that are living their own life. Lord, we pray that you would help our families find harmony and togetherness and to put some practices together that whether we're elementary kids or teenagers or young adults, just married, not yet married, been married a long time, or wherever we are in our relationship, even by ourselves as a grandma or a grandparent, encouraging those coming behind us. Lord, I pray for our families. May you strengthen our families. And we pray for harmony and togetherness by God's spirit within us. Be with us, Lord, as we intentionally work together on our families. Everybody said together, amen.